Jump shot. It's Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Grizzlies Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mark King. Got our co-host, Sean Coleman, on the line. What's going on, man? Not much, dude. It's it's nice. Uh, the Grizzlies playing competitive basketball, and just to be honest, the Braves playing competitive baseball. You know, I, my wife has told me, you know, on a few occasions, she's proud of me for for how I've managed without sports. But I'll tell you this, it's nice to have it back. It really, really is nice to have it back. Listen, there are a lot of times, you know, before actually, before we get too far into the show, I want to remind everybody today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Uh, Just make sure you go visit them at rockauto.com, an amazing sponsor of our show. But I, uh, you know, there are a lot of times that I was like, you know, I really miss sports, but there's just more important things going on in this world. Uh, obviously, with Black Lives Matter movement and COVID. There's just a lot of things going on that that, that matter way more than sports. But I will say this. Uh, it is nice to have sports back. Like, I, I miss basketball a lot. <laughs> I really like watching that game on Friday afternoon. I was like, I really, really miss basketball. I'm glad it's back. It was it's so much fun to watch. Agreed. And, and, and it's nice, you know. Um, it, and the other thing about it is, is that um, I, I'm, you know, I know a lot of people um, are saying that, you know, with all the settings and everything that's going on in Orlando, you know, it's nice to have it back. Don't read too much into it. You know, the Grizzlies are, you know, playing with house money and all that different stuff. And I get that. But I do think there are a lot of significant things that, you know, you could find more validity about. Um, and concerning the Grizzlies, you know, with how they play in Orlando. So I'm I'm definitely paying close attention and enjo- just enjoying basketball being back, too. Absolutely. On today's show, obviously, we're going to talk about the two scrimmages the Grizzlies uh, have had. Uh, obviously, the one on like, Friday against the 76ers, the one on Sunday night. We're actually recording this on Sunday night as well against the Houston Rockets. Uh, so we're going to talk about all the things that we think are important in those two scrimmages. Um, and like you mentioned, there's, there's obviously a caveat there. It's a scrimmage they haven't played in a long time. But at the same time, it's the only thing we had to talk about, so that's what we're talking about. I hate when people say, oh, it's just a preseason game. Don't overreact. Well, you know, that's like the only thing we have to react to. So we're going to overreact and underreact equally. So uh, let's get to it. Um, let's talk about the, the game on Friday first, the 76ers game. You know, personally for me, I, I think it was a game that um, they just look like they haven't played in four months. Like, honestly, is what it really boiled down to. And we've seen this storyline before, though, with the Grizzlies all season long where they got down big in the first half. They made a lot of good adjustments in the second half. It came back and played so much better in the second half. And it was just like, you know, it's like a different team night and day. But we've seen that all year long. Like we've seen that all year long. Um, You know, the Grizzlies 
played a different rotation on Friday than they did on Sunday. It seems like the rotation off the bench is the one that they're trying to kind of nail down. Uh, on Friday, they played uh, Josh Jackson and Gorgie Jing. And then on Sunday, they played um, Anthony Tolliver and Grayson Allen. And that was the that was the two positions they kind of swabbed, subbed out. The other three, Melton, Brandon Clark, Tasha, it seemed like they're 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 pretty much set. But to me, it just looked like they hadn't played in four months. That's like honestly, when you look at the first half, like I know, like I even tweeted, like it was just bad basketball, and a lot of it was bad basketball. But they just didn't look good. Um, on the flip side of that, you know, the seventy sixers are, I think, are just a really bad matchup too. I agree completely. Um, and, and the thing that I will say is, uh, when it comes to um, the opportunity to see what we can get done. Um, you know, with our starters in the game, they played badly. Like the starters played badly. They just, you know, there there was nothing in sync. But when you look at the numbers, the starters actually had a positive plus minus. What occurred in the game that was surprising as far as the 76ers go is that they just got absolutely hot. They were scorched earth with their second unit against our second unit late in the first, early in the second, especially late in the first. And that's what's got us down so big. But, you know, the starters in general, they, they did not shoot well. Kyle Anderson, you know, had had one of his best three-point shooting games in, in any type of NBA setting in his career. Um, so just in general, yes, it, that's that's one thing that, you know, kind of um, made any reactions or perhaps overreactions to the game on Thursday, excuse me, Friday, um, you kind of, you know, have to take that with a grain of salt. It was just bad basketball. Well, when the game turned to the second half, you then started seeing this getting locked in. Yeah, we were too far behind to really come back, but the Grizzlies did eventually make it a game, and when they finally started getting in sync, you know, that was good to see. And, and it was good to see that even though they got down, the energy was still there. And once we got chemistry going a bit, you know, we started making headway. But yes, the length of the 76ers is just something anybody's going to have trouble with. And especially when you're a young team like the Grizzlies, who still are a work in progress when it comes to playing consistently, you know, in sync basketball, that length's going to make, you know, a lot of trouble for you. Well, I mean, I think that I think the 76ers are just a good team, too. Like, that's just, I mean, obviously, they're playing, a, they're going to play good teams every night. They're in a situation where um, all the bad teams are gone. So they're going to play good teams every night. Obviously, they're playing the Eastern Rockets uh, tonight. Uh, but like the 76ers, I think, like you mentioned, there's just, there's just, there's so many problems that they really present with the Grizzlies. Uh, John Moran has so many problems with bigger guards. And that's what they did all, all the all the first half was they just had a bunch of big guards on John Morant. And he just he has so much trouble with those guys offensively that it's just um, you know it makes a lot of sense. Like what what we saw on the first half with Ja because he just didn't Ja didn't play well the whole game, but like especially the first half he really looked out of sync. The whole offense looked out of sync the first half. Um, I don't know if they were like trying something new. Maybe it looks like some of the plays were different, but it just looked off. You know, but that's that makes sense from what we've seen this whole year with Ja versus bigger guards and it just sometimes it most of the time it just doesn't work for him agreed and, and that is something that is one of the takeaways that that's going to be there in this and you know i talked with you know we, we uh, i spoke with uh, joe molinax um last week and that's a point that i brought up and i think that's going to be very interesting to see when this schedule comes up you know i've been a big proponent of the fact that when the grizzlies start their schedule it, it you could sit there and make a case besides possibly the Spurs that the Grizzlies are going to be the less talented team in terms of on paper in seven of their eight games. And a big thing that's going to be there 
they're going to be facing a lot of backcourts where the guards are just more are, are just more seasoned and bigger than John Moran. These teams are going to be able to limit John Moran at times. So what do you do if that's the case? How do you find offense? And that's one takeaway that I found in the second scrimmage, but getting back to the first, is that if John Morant is not just that one-man offense, um, you know, when we had those stretches where he's not that, how are we going to answer it? We're going to have to find that second and third wrinkle to our offense to be able to combat, you know, other teams locking jaw down, which it's going to happen at some point during this eight-game stretch. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's that's something – I mean, that's going to happen – I mean, it's just something that Ja has to be able to deal with. And that's kind of like, I mean, he's obviously we're talking about Ja like you. He's a, he's a different player, but he's still like, I think people just forget he's because he's been so good this year. He's still a rookie. You know, that's just things. That's just part of like learning, you know, NBA. Like that's just what it boils down to. There are going to be things that you struggle with your first year that you kind of figure how, you know, got to figure out how to overcome. And like, so I think we talk about Joe, talk about Ja be, you know, just, just in terms of how good he is. And we forget a lot of times that, that he is a rookie. And so I think that's just going to come with experience, but it won't come, you know, I don't think it's going to, it's going to come. Um, it's going to come this, this bubble season. You know, I think it's going to be up to the coaches to figure out a way to get him better spacing, whether that's playing him off the ball, whether that's running him on side screen and, you know, side pick and rolls more like they're going to have to figure out a way to get those guys off of him and moving the defense from left to right. Not necessarily that job figure out himself, because I don't think he's going to be able to in this shorter time span. So I think it will really be up to Taylor Jenkins and his staff to figure out what they could do. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about coming up. You mentioned earlier, Kyle Anderson playing well. He has played well for the past two matches. Is it real? Is it, we're, we're going to talk about the coming up next. RockAuto.com is an amazing sponsor of this show. And if you are like me, sometimes you go to AutoZone, you go to those other big box stores, and you don't quite know what to do. You have a lot of guys asking you all types of questions that you're really not sure what the answers are to them. But that's okay because you can go to RockAuto.com. It is on every device you have in your pocket, your desktop, all those things. Just go to RockAuto.com and, and you can look for yourself and they have different parts for all types of cars. I promise you, if you have a vehicle, they have a part for you. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers for online for over 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for your auto and body parts, hundreds of manufacturers. Just go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. It's an amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. Welcome back to the show. Right before we left off of the break, I mentioned something, and you mentioned it too in that first segment, was Kyle Anderson. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit more about this. That's why I didn't bring it up in the first segment because I wanted to get a little bit more uh, depth on it. Um, he he looks He's looked good. He, he played well. Uh, had a career high, crazy enough as it is on Friday with four three-pointers. He never hit more than two in a, in a game. So, like, that's kind of crazy. Um, but uh, so, so he hit four threes. I think he's hit it several threes in the game against the Rockets. Um, and just, just generally look, looks better. Like his shot looks good. Like he's notoriously had that like hitch in his shot where he kind of above his head, he actually moves the ball a little bit to his right when he does it as well. And that's why he's been such a terrible three point shooter. Um, but that doesn't seem to be, that doesn't seem to exist in the bubble, which is kind of weird, but like, um, I, I don't know where are you at on Colin? Are you, are you, are you here for, you know, like, do you think it's going to stay? Like, where are you at on Kyle Anderson? I love Kyle Anderson, and the, and I have always loved it because Kyle Anderson 
is is the type of player that that I just love looking at because he is he he is so unorthodox in terms of today's NBA game. You know, slow motion player, more intelligence than just a physical specimen, instinct more than just athletic ability. You know, he, there, physical limitations certainly exist for Kyle Anderson, but he is so good at making the most of what he does well. Using his length, his intelligence, his ability to be a playmaker, his his ability to you know outthink a lot of times, you know the offensive players and create opportunities. The man's a euro step phenom. You know he did he's got that euro step down, and it just looks like his game is ever evolving. But a big thing that I take away from this training camp, I talked a little bit about it um, last week on a couple of occasions, is that you know we've been talking you know this whole time that the season has been suspended. Who could be trade chips for the Grizzlies? And Kyle Anderson's name has come up a lot because it just seems as if he is a bit of an odd fit for Taylor Jenkins' style of play. However, instead of, you know, that just being the case, you know, Taylor Jenkins just kind of leaving him, you know, uh, alone and, and just letting him play, you know, this season out, it's clear that Taylor Jenkins has been working with him and his shot is certainly there. And I do think that if Kyle Anderson can ever get some type of consistent shot going, he could be a very good reserve. And and potentially, yeah, there are better fits for him in the NBA as far as style of play, you know, maybe a slower-paced team that relies more on function and, you know, team chemistry. Um, There may be better fits. But for Kyle Anderson, he's a nice contrast to a lot of what we have to offer. And I do think that if he develops a shot, he could definitely be advantageous. Yeah, I think I mean obviously I've always loved Kyle Anderson. People who listen to this show for a long time know that. Um, know how I feel about Kyle and how much I've complained about him not being utilized correctly for a long time. And I think that, you know, like I don't know. Here's why I'm out on Kyle Anderson and his shooting. Because um people don't just change overnight. Like that's not how NBA players work. Like and, and I'm I'm a fair believer it's very difficult to change people's shots. Uh just because it's such a it's such a um you know, muscle memory type of thing. And it's so difficult for people to change their shots that, I, you know, notoriously he, for, for so long, he's been, he's not been a good shooter like for so long. And like, you know, career, career averages are, are, you know, career averages for a reason. That's just kind of where I'm at on it. Like, so like, that is one of those things where I think that it is like, you know, it is, you know, one or it is two, a two game sample size and yeah, it's awesome. And that would be great. You know, you're right. Like if he could, if he could develop any, any type of, reliable three-point shot where it's just respected then that would go a long 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 way to opening up this offense for John Rant and some other people but you know I it's just he's just never done it you know like and, and until you got to I'm just kind of where you know let's just see some consistency on it from for myself so um that that's kind of where I'm on call I, I'd love for him to obviously develop a shot but it's just you know he he's got to shoot it like quickly it's just really and truly he's got he's got to just like yeah, he's got to just he's he, I think he's in his head. It's like almost he's he's in his head so much that he's just got to shoot it and not think about it because he, you know he can obviously be a good shooter, but it's just like he just gets in his own head too much and and, and thinks about it, like if I miss it or you know they're leaving me open for a reason, all, all those type of things. But if he just pulls the trigger, it's kind of like Jaren. Like when Jaren just pulls the trigger, like he's got he really shoots the ball quite well, uh, but when he hesitates is when he usually he misses like with a lot of players. So you know until until he can do it for you know, a reliable amount of time. I think we just have to be happy when it goes in, but I just expect, expect, you know, expect what you've seen from Kyle Anderson all year long. 
Well, and that's the other thing about it is that, like you said, you know, he when he gets in his own head, if he doesn't just do it quickly, um, you know, just based off pure instinct when he thinks about it, you know, then he has issue. Well, there also is another side to that. And it's the fact that, to me, Kyle Anderson is the type of player, you know, for players, you don't want to put too much on their plate. You don't want to make them think too much. Kyle Anderson, to me, is the type of player who you, that's, that's when he's at his best, when you are putting a lot on his plate and letting him dissect it and utilize it. A lot of the things about Kyle Anderson are is that there's just so much he can do by himself, and it's not as much as others athletically and physically, but he can add to, he can utilize the strengths of others with his playmaking ability and his ability to think, his basketball IQ. So one thing that I saw tonight in the Houston game that was kind of frustrating when he was in the starting lineup was that the Grizzlies didn't seem to have a lot of purpose or direction when it came to their starting lineup versus Houston. They did utilize their bigs good. Jonas Valanciunas had stretches in which he really was able to use his size. That's one way to definitely um, find a weakness in Houston's defense. That was good. They fed Jonas a lot. Jaron Jackson had a bit of success. Um, and they also had a bit of success getting to the hoop. But when Kyle Anderson had the ball, there wasn't a lot of movement. They ran a few ISO plays. And, and you just uh, Kyle Anderson is not the type of player that you run ISO with. Kyle Anderson is the type of player where if you've got a lot of movement going, he's kind of like a quarterback. He's going to pick the right option to pass to, especially Jaron or, 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 or um, uh, a jaw off a screen. But that's the thing about it. For Kyle Anderson, you've got to have the, him in sync with the rest of the team and the rest of the team in sync as well. The Grizzlies are going to have to be in sync. They're going to have to have good team chemistry against these more talented teams. Losing Justice, a big thing about him is losing a secondary playmaker. Kyle Anderson probably makes the most sense to replace Justice because of his playmaking ability, and he can still be effective on defense. But for him to be effective as a playmaker, you've got to have good movement. You've got to have purpose in your other four players' efforts and their energy. If they're just standing around when Kyle Anderson has the ball, the, the Grizzlies are at a disadvantage because Kyle Anderson, of all those players, is probably the least one that will be able to create his own shot. So it comes down to the other players on the team being able to make the most of when Kyle Anderson's on the court. He can make, he can show, he can bring the Grizzlies success with his playmaking ability, but it's up to the other players just as much as it's him. And that's one thing the Grizzlies have got to improve on on offense is more purposeful movement to create good looks, get to the basket, and, you know, take advantage of the playmaking ability that comes with Jaw and Kyle Anderson in the starting lineup. And, you know, Kyle's also one of those guys that needs a very competent uh, staff in terms of a coaching staff to utilize him correctly. Just because, like, he's not one of those guys that has a skill set that just pops out. It's like, oh, he's he's not like, oh, he's an excellent three-point shooter. Let's run some, uh, let's run some down screens or, you know, pin down screens to get him open on the wing to, you know, for a, for a shoot, for a shot. Like, so he really needs also needs a competent, you know, coaching staff to really run stuff. If you want to, if, if anything, you're going to run stuff for him, but really get him involved in the offense and utilize him correctly. And so, and I think that's where, you know, my, you know, my, 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 my thing has been all year is that I just, there are a lot of times where I feel like he could have been utilized better. And even up to now, you know, like you mentioned, like you got to utilize him in the, in the correct way to get the most out of Kyle. And that's why we talked about him being the possible trade chip is because they just weren't using him correctly. And so I think that goes a long way too. Let's take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about the Houston game after the break. Welcome back to the show, talking uh, Grizzlies. First two scrimmages on the show today because it feels so great to have something uh, real and competitive to talk about. The Grizzlies took on the Houston Rockets. 
uh, on Sunday night. Obviously, they lost that game, but they played a lot better. And that is what's most important because they came out on that game and they looked so different from the, the start of the, the 76ers game. Like they came out and they looked like a team that knew what they were doing. They looked like a team that knew what they wanted to do in terms of running offense. Ja looked amazing. Jaren looked really good. Like they looked crisp. Um, they looked like a team that just, you know, understood what they were doing. We've seen that. We've seen this. We've seen these two games. We've seen these versions of this team all year long. We've seen the version of the team where, like you mentioned, in the, or like we talked about in the 76ers game where they got down big. They couldn't come back in the second half because they got too much of a, a deficit. And then we've seen this this game, uh, this team in the, we saw in the Rockets game where they just are quick. You know, they are get the, they're getting the ball up and down the court as quick as they can. They're being uh, proactive. I mean, as soon as, even if they, even if they, the you know the other team makes a shot. They're sitting the get, getting the ball down quick, and like that's the best offense for the Grizzlies is is getting the ball in transition, whether that's you know, off a basket made or not. Like getting the ball up and down the court quickly, making decisions quickly, uh, utilizing that speed and athleticism of the, all the young players. Like that is their best offense for the Grizzlies is is playing a fast paced game, getting fast break points, getting up and running up and down the court. Like, and we saw that in the Houston Rockets game it didn't work out for them because the Houston Rockets are just notoriously they're just good. I mean, obviously they're just good at threes. They made a lot of them. That's just kind of what it boiled down to. But uh, but, but that is the promising thing for me to when I look at this Grizzlies team on against the Rockets is like they utilize what was their best parts for them to do in terms of the pieces they have on the on the roster. And they've done that a lot this season. That's how they won a lot of games, just playing quick, playing up tempo. And that's that's what they did tonight. It didn't work out because the Houston Rockets are just a good team. But I think if they could do that against you know the Trailblazers and the Pelicans, like they have that that's their best chance to 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 be able to move into the the, the postseason this year. A couple of things that you know I took away from the Rockets game that I do feel are relevant and and apply to how the Grizzlies are going to take on this tough eight game stretch to end the regular season uh, were this. Well, first off, what popped out, what popped out to me was the impressive play of Grayson Allen and Anthony Tolliver. Um, I know that these guys are you know what eleventh and twelfth on the bench. You know I've I, I got a piece coming out this week talking about you know how Grayson's role in Orlando could be a significant glimpse into how the team using him in the present and the future. But Grayson Allen on the court, he was he, he was healthy. There was energy in his game, and he made good plays both on defense and offense. He created offense. He allowed for there to be a you know uh, he he was able to have good chemistry with Brandon Clark and others getting to the basket. You know, creating tough um, shots on defense. So you know, yeah, Grayson is an energy player, and and those have value. But if you can have a guy who has energy with a purpose. That's a completely different story. And Grayson created, you know, some great opportunities uh, for the Grizzlies, you know, in the second unit. And that just adds depth to an already deep Grizzlies bench, which is a clear strength of this team. Um, another thing that that really was impressive was the Grizzlies were able to feature their size. Um, Jonas Valanciunas, Brandon Clark, Anthony Tolliver, Gorgie Dank will be there as an option when he plays. The Grizzlies are going to have some matchups, for instance, against the uh, the the uh, um, Spurs, uh, the, the Utah Jazz, the, the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Grizzlies are going to have some opportunities where they will be able to match up low in the post to get good shots. And if Jonas and Jaron um, and Clark and, and Dang can do that, they're going to be able to have success, especially in that second unit, which will keep them in games and maybe even, you know, allow for them to maintain leads. So those were a couple of good things that, that I took away from the game. 
that impressed me. And, and, and the other good thing, I'll get to a few concerning things in a second, but the other thing that I took away was in terms of matching up against Harden and Westbrook one-on-one, I was impressed, especially with Dylan on Harden. Dylan, I even think that he created a shot clock violation. There were a couple of possessions where both Dylan and Melton did really good. They made life tough. They didn't allow for a shot, or they made it a tough shot. Harden made a couple of them just because he's James Harden. But in general, the on-ball defense by Dylan and, and Melton was impressive on you know two of the, of the better isolation guys in the game in Westbrook and Harden. Yeah, I mean, I think you you, you know Dylan Brooks takes a, he takes those things to heart. Like he he really he he really relishes those matches matchups. Like he takes it personal when he gets to guard James Harden. Like, and I think he did a good job too. Like, there's a lot of good things to take away. Uh, like we mentioned, Tolliver and um, Tolliver and uh, Grayson Allen played tonight. Um, so we'll see what happens on Tuesday when they play the Heat. They play at one o'clock on Tuesday because. Um, again, I think they were just trying to figure out that last two rotation spots and played 10 guys on Friday, played 10 guys on Sunday. Um, the, the, the last two rotation spots were the ones that were different on both games. So I'll be interested to see what they have uh, on Tuesday. But I, again, I think it's a good game for the Grizzlies overall. I, even in a loss, I think you, there's a lot of good things you can look at and go, okay, I, I, I think you can I think you can do something here if you continue to play like that. Agreed. The only thing, the only few concerns that I have, and – you know, these may not even be concerns. They, they're probably things that will take care of themselves as the Grizzlies get, you know, more into a groove and more of a regular routine. The movement, the, 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 there needs to be more purposeful movement at times. There were times in the first half, like we discussed when Kyle Anderson had the ball, where there just wasn't a lot of movement. That You know, the guys were just taking threes instead of letting an offensive play work itself out to create a good shot. There wasn't a lot of off-the-ball movement. The Grizzlies are going to have to do that to be able to, you know, create offense in some of these games, especially when jaw is contained. Now you have to, on the second point, you have to consider the opponent. There are, I mean, the the Houston Rockets' ability to move the ball to find three-point shots is historic. They're one of the best franchises in the history of basketball at finding three-point shots and shooting. I mean, they, they've set records for how many threes they shoot. But still... There were quite a few times, yes, the Grizzlies did good on on-ball defense, but there were just so many times in which the Rockets had clear, wide-open three-point shots, and the Grizzlies were nowhere near it. They've got to stay more disciplined on the perimeter. Yeah, going into, you know, uh, sagging down into the lane to try to prevent open shots, that's fine, but at some point, you got to stay on that perimeter, and if you sag down too much, a team like the Rockets... Disciplined teams, they're going to find those opportunities. And if you just give them too many open looks, it's going to burn you eventually. So staying more disciplined on the perimeter was the one key improvement that I take from this Grizzlies team. And again, I know it's a scrimmage. I know it's a game. But that's something they're going to have to face. They're going to have to do because as they face more and more of these tough defensive teams, they're going to have more of a difficulty making threes. They can't allow for open looks because they're going to find themselves down early in a lot of games if they don't stay disciplined on the perimeter. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think I think you're absolutely right. Uh, there's not much more to add, but uh, we're we're out of time on today's show. We've gone a little long, a few minutes long, but uh, we want to talk about all the things that are happening, obviously. So we're, we'll obviously have a show tomorrow. We'll have uh, the post-game audio in the show feed as well. So that'll be up in our show feed too from the post-game audio from Sunday night's game. You'll hear from Coach Taylor Jenkins. You'll hear from uh, Brennan Clark, Anthony Tolliver, and Dylan Brooks. So uh, check that out as well. Go subscribe to the podcast. Tell your friends to subscribe to the podcast. I don't have to download it. Just subscribe. Helps us out. I appreciate it, Sean. Let's do it again tomorrow. Good talking to you, man. Have a good night.